So I'm going to say I'm... You don't need to tell me now what you're going to say. You can just tell me when when you say it. If if I tell you, then I'll have it in my head. Okay. (laughs) Okay, let's go. The Standing Orders Podcast. This is the first edition of the Standing Orders Podcast, which is the topical local government uh, weekly podcast from Politis. And I am Dr Thomas Foreman. And with me is my co-host, Councillor Sue Lorne. Hi, folks. (laughs) So... The first thing that we're going to cover is is why we're doing this podcast. So, first of all, a little bit about you, Councillor. I'm the town councillor for Thorpe St Andrew. I'm the t- currently the town mayor, and uh, I've been part of Thorpe St Andrew Town Council for since 2007, so quite a long time. And I can say, I know that you've been a councillor since 2007, and I also know you still use your 2007 photograph. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Peter Pan. I never get old. <laughs> and I was your clerk. You certainly were. And despite that, you've agreed to uh, to do a podcast with me. Um, Only because you're never CEO as opposed to the town clerk. <laughs> So, a little bit about me. My first job in local government was with uh, Cardiff Council. And I first of all worked with antisocial behaviour, then moved on to work in scrutiny and became a principal scrutiny research officer before moving into the town council at Thorpe St Andrew as town clerk, where I stayed for, for some memorable years. And that's where I got to know you. And, and despite having worked with you for seven years, I still refer to you uh, as Councillor Lawn. Um, and that's mainly because I think there's a, um, I think there's a difference of opinion in local government as to whether now calling councillors by their first names is right, or whether, you know, formally addressing members, particularly in meetings, and in my case, also out of meetings, and even when I see you in supermarkets, like, I, I think that it's important, as much in town, as opposed to in district councils, um, where actually, y- you just still have that level of formality, so so that, you know, you get that definition in role as opposed to becoming first name terms and then in a meeting where we disagree you know we understand where those where those roles lie plus if you should forget a councillor's name you can just come up with (laughs) councillor yeah and i do that regularly as well particularly on uh, on on zoom meetings formality is very good but it's also very handy and so the the podcast is also part of um the Politis Consultancy, so it's something that you can hear on the go and hopefully will be slightly more engaging. And to that end, I thought having a councillor instead of just a kind of officer perspective on topics would actually be really interesting. So I'm really grateful to you for agreeing to do this with me. And you're not getting paid, and so you know that you'll be worth every penny um, of every topic we cover, which, uh, again, I'm really grateful for. And I think just as a introduction, or, or rather... I guess, a little bit more of an explanation as to why you've agreed to do it, which is you're standing down at the next election, um, which means now you don't need to seek re-election. One, this can be politically neutral. And two, uh, you can say hopefully whatever you want and not worry about being voted out because of it. Yes, that's true. 
That's exactly the reason why I'm doing it. <laughs> After all these years in local government and having to worry about what I had to say. Not that I'm ever going to say anything detrimental to either councils, but um, I think that uh, you do. You, you obviously have to be very careful uh, about what you say and the people that you could upset by your points of view. But um, it's good to, to be able to, to speak openly, have the opportunity to discuss my opinion and your opinion and never the two shall meet but um no it's 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 twisted my arm and here i am it's um it's definitely something that uh, we probably can move forward on well here's hoping and and equally you know on on that you say you won't say anything detrimental about either council i've I'm certainly really pleased that you won't be saying anything detrimental about me. Um, But what I would say as well is... I I I said the council, not the officers. (laughs) I would say the general kind of rule I have, um, which I will be sticking to, and I may anonymise some stories, is obviously I don't speak about uh, the council, the councillors, or or anything that's kind of confidential or kind of given in confidence but i think there are generally some things that may come out that hopefully will be of some interest which in no way will then get me in some kind of tribunal or defamation case not yet (laughs) so the podcast is going to look at the current issues topics kind of subjects interests in local government particularly probably local councils because you know the town councils the parish councils and in wales community councils are kind of where my interests lie having worked in the large unitary authority with eighteen thousand members of staff at one point and plenty of traffic noise behind me you know it, it then kind of came to actually working with a handful of dedicated officers probably a third or quarter of the number of councillors and actually instead of covering a large geographical area like a city it was then a town uh, and something that only recently became a town in the past few years and so from there I've then worked with some other councils and done work outside of the town Um, but actually the topics and the subjects of interest tend to be the same irrespective of where we're kind of looking or, or where I am. What currently do you think are the most pressing issues in local councils? I think it's trying to provide a service to the residents that they expect and being able to do it under the precept that we've got at the moment. The most important thing they care about is whether their bins get emptied and uh, planning issues as well. Um, They want to know that... There's a good team looking after them and there's a good team of councillors and officers uh, trying to, to make things work. But I guess uh, the most important things to most of the residents is is planning in, and nobody wants planning in their own backyard. But unfortunately, with the population that we're, we're bringing into our towns and cities, we, we need to provide the housing. So, yeah, I think those are the two most important things, making sure the bins are emptied and making sure that the planning um, is appropriate for the areas that we're doing it in. Well, luckily, uh, on-street bins, at least, are nothing to do with me, and so I don't need to worry too much about those bins being emptied. But you're you're right, you know, it's one of those things where I think the public generally care more about what they see when they open the curtains, they walk down the street, 
And I think that's kind of resonated, especially after COVID, that people are far more interested, not in what necessarily, you know, I do in terms of administration and in terms of, you know, what, what other officers do behind closed doors. Obviously, that's really important. And that's a fundamental to actually make sure that everything else you see outside works. But actually, they care more about verge cutting. They care more about bins emptying and they care more about what's happening in terms of planning. Um as well and I think as statutory consultees we're starting to see more um, kind of things come down and more issues from from residents and I think that's come at a time where district councils are facing a real shortage of skilled planners and I'm not sure that that's going to be addressed in a meaningful way in the next few months it's going to take years for them to be able to bring people through and that's at a time where a lot of experienced planners have moved into the private sector. And I think it's the same. It's the same in in the first tier parish town councils. There's a serious shortage of uh, staff, of officers. Uh, Something happened in COVID that nobody seems to be able to recruit anybody, Uh, not just in in local council, but in in most of the the businesses that need staff, um, the service industry, the uh, waitresses, bar staff in you know in the hotel industry there's a desperate need for officers in district councils um on the first level you know we've got a fantastic team that are working so hard but uh they are at capacity and they do need extra help and we can't seem to recruit them in district with as you say with the planning issues they um they desperately need officers and we can't recruit on that side of things either and it will have a knock-on effect um in in um the next year or so because you do need to train all of these people to do the jobs that uh, need to be done and um and it will have a knock-on effect if we if we don't get things sorted fairly quickly but yes you see um, i think that a lot of those issues i think fall into one of really the most topical subjects of civility and respect and i think that lack of civility that the kind of degradation of respect towards officers and councillors actually over the past few years has led to i wouldn't say a mass exodus of experienced officers but it certainly made people think probably again about whether this is what they want to do day to day Mm -hmm. in facing some of the issues that are beyond their control and that's you know officers and i think why councils are seeing a lot more co-option or a lot more vacancies is actually because councillors are having the same issues themselves. Yeah. I think members of the public have um, the preconception that you you can just speak to a member of the local council as you wish. They're under the impression that they're paying their council tax, so that then gives them the right to be disrespectful. And nobody's got the right to be disrespectful to anybody. Most councillors came into being councillors because they wanted to do good for their community. The officers that work in the town councils and the district councils and the county councils wanted to be part of what was best for a community. So I mean, yeah, but I mean, in terms of, of who works in local councils, I mean, I'm not sure anyone generally when they're growing up has an idea that they want to work for a local council. You don't see kind of kids, you know, going for the fancy dress shop. They pick out police officers, they pick out doctors, they pick out nurses. They don't pick out, you know, the day glow and the hard hat. And, and, 
<laughs> and then decide, actually, instead, I want to work for a local council. Here's my clipboard and here's my pen. Um, I think, though, that most Not people... Not the councils are like Mr Bean. <laughs> I think most people want to do, like, good for the community. I think councillors and officers alike, whether or not they necessarily think um, alike in the way that we could do that. And I think officers' jobs are increasingly becoming more and more difficult because politics is becoming polarised. And so staying apolitical it is equally being um, kind of even more well. difficult each time. Um, but I think there are lots of different things kind of coming together at the moment, kind of post-COVID in terms of devolution in terms of financing in terms of reorganization in, in local councils and i mean looking at the way local councils working together looking at the way principal councils are working together the creation of new town and parish councils as well and huge legal issues as well at the moment which seem to be facing a lot of councils that decisions they make are being challenged particularly at the level of town parish and community councils in England at least aren't covered by the local government ombudsman but obviously in Wales the public services ombudsman is responsible for them and so legal action seems to be the last resort but also the first resort for residents who disagree with council decisions. Well, this is it. And it's, it is these, it just seems these days it's much easier for uh, residents to be able to take councils for judicial review if they feel that something hasn't gone the way that they Well, let's not to. use the judicial <laughs> review term too, too, too quickly. Um, but it is, it's more, it, it really is more. Um, to go back 10 years, I don't think that anybody would have thought oh, this is the way forward is to, is to go through if, if something didn't happen the way that a resident wanted it to happen happen um I, I don't think for one minute 10 years ago that people would have automatically thought okay let's go and 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 take the local council to a but then again there are some parish and town councils that also challenge districts and county councils through judicial review as well so yes. in the same ways perhaps you know town and parish councils and community councils perhaps get threatened with judicial review over decisions that are being made i don't think it's just this tier i think all the tiers of local government are getting more challenges both from outside and inside the public sector um even from you know councils that generally they have good relationships with otherwise yeah and i yeah i'm probably thinking of the bigger picture as opposed to the local to the town council don't think about the bigger picture (laughs) (laughs) this is only the first one (laughs) it's no is is it is happening across the whole sector that people if they're not happy with how things are working then they feel that the legal route is the is the way forward but sometimes they just have to accept that it is policies that are set. It's not necessarily the district council who determine how many houses is going to be built. It's not the town council that determines how many houses are going to be built in an area. It's the government that sets the the targets that we have to keep to. So um, whenever an application is accepted on all the merits that the policy says it needs to be accepted on residents aren't happy and they sometimes think that they can take it on a legal process and that's not well at least at the moment at least here won't get too heavy (laughs) (laughs) you've got nutrient neutrality which is stopping a lot of development um and that's something that we will also cover uh, later on in the series about nutrient neutrality and some of the issues in fact it may be something we cover in our next podcast but you've touched on a bit there 
And I guess my question is, why did you get involved in local government originally back in 2007? I guess I'm just one of those people that if I um, if I see that something isn't right or I'm not happy with something, I need to find out the person that's going to make it right or is going to fix it. And um, when I first moved into the area that I'm in, I wasn't very happy about a planning application that was coming forward. And... Um, so went to the town council, went to the district council and uh, put my points over. And uh, then I was then approached because I was so um, outspoken in... Um, when you say approach, was it by the applicant by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, they did promise me brown paper bags, but they never came. And um, so I was, I was then asked if I would be interested on being the town council, being part of the town council. So, um, so that's how it happened. I, I put my points over on an application, and I think sometimes it's a case if, uh, if you can get the person that's causing you the most grief to work alongside you, then that grief is going to disappear. And uh, that's probably how they thought we'll we'll move forward with this. But um, no. It's is something that I've, as I said, I've enjoyed every moment of it. I, I, you know, look back over the years and think how we've changed. And again, with you coming along and being part of the town council, you changed everything. You know, you evolved us into something that um, we never thought that the town council could move on to. There's no brown paper bags. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not getting paid a penny. This is all... um, I'm twisting. No. (laughs) It's... um, No, it is... It's, you know, you... We were just a normal, straightforward town council. And then you came along and lifted us that little bit further and took us into, you know, to something special. We've we've got... I'd say a lot further, actually. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Uh, you certainly turned the town council around. And, um, and, you know, the area that we're living in is is all the better for have for all the work that you've done alongside the full team of council and the full team of officers you've turned things around and and we we're doing pretty good yeah i I would say you've hit the nail on the head there that it is down to a team uh, and that's a team of councillors but also a team of officers and officers you know i think all pulling in the same direction is incredibly important and the members kind of understanding that process and and supporting that process as well um because without that you know progress would never be made and so i'm really proud of a lot of what we've achieved and Um, this is the other thing is you know the councillors have to let the officers do the job that they're being paid to do i think we do a pretty good job there (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean you know i kind of came into local government accidentally in fact i i never expected to be in local government at all and it was only when I took that first job in local government after studying politics um, that actually I really started to enjoy the political side and the kind of working with members to achieve a kind of vision and I was very lucky especially in scrutiny at being able to work alongside members um, in terms of committees but also working with the executive as well and, and seeing both sides and being able to work kind of in that environment and I think that prepared me for working 
directly with members in what I would say is a small p political environment in a town council because party politics doesn't generally come into it uh, much at kind of town and parish council which actually you know to the most part makes for much more interesting meetings to hear the individual contributions of members. This is it and when I first joined in 2007 I went on a training course And the first thing they said to us was town council or parish council should not be political. It literally should be you're there for the community. You're the first step on on the local government and it should be community based and you should be focusing on the community as to what any politics is, is, is involved in it. Again, district is slightly different, but as town council, it should not be, it should be non-political. I mean, so until recently you were on, uh, the district council as a portfolio holder for planning, which is probably why you said planning is one of the biggest issues, because you know it so well. So what do you think is in the future for local councils, town, parish, community, and ultimately district, county, and, you know, unitary? You know, how do you see that locally and nationally? I think it's so important that we still keep the localism in, in place. Residents need to know that they're going, if they've got a problem, that they're actually going to go to somebody face to face who knows the issues and the area that they're they're talking about. If you then go to um, Unitary, I think that you, you could lose the localism. I think that um, you, you can argue the case for it um, and you want to bring it all under one big umbrella. That isn't necessarily, big isn't always best. I was going to interject then, but actually I was interested in knowing where that sentence was going. (laughs) So So, I know it's contrary to a popular belief, but big is not always best. Sometimes it needs to be, you you need to keep your small communities and and go into unitary. I don't know that that will... I I mean, I think the good thing about unitary is often... And I mean, having worked at a unitary authority, which did have some community councils under it, um, I actually, I remember speaking to one of the, the county councillors at the unitary authority when I joined at the town council and I said, you know, what is your view of community councils? And their response was not a lot. Yeah. And so it's really interesting to, to hear from someone who's kind of seen the, the district element and the town element about the importance of that localism and that local input from communities. But I guess... The role of the town and the parish and the community council becomes more important when you have a unitary authority, probably more important there than it necessarily is at district, Um, except when you have large district councils and being in Norfolk. You know, you've got some really large kind of geographical spaces that are covered by district councils. And if they weren't parished, then that would be a real issue in terms of, you know, representation and in terms of probably getting a voice heard. But I guess I also see that for a lot of residents, it must feel like when you have the three-tier system, like local council pass the parcel between who's responsible for different things. So you'll have, for instance, highways that are responsible for the pothole, but the street cleaning of that same road is down to the district, but then the verge can often be cut by the town. So who do you go to when you've got an issue of weeds that are overgrowing on the pathway? Is that the district who are responsible for doing that because they do street cleansing? Or is it the town because they do the verge cutting? Or is it high 
highways because it's all on a highway. And so I guess that's why the role of the town is is really important as well, because it's normally the one-stop shop for, I'm reporting this issue, and so then it gets passed on again. But I, I don't think the role of the town is necessarily as well respected by districts and counties no, than it could be. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But the other thing is as well is that that's the reason why the town council will get more grief than the district or the county because every every resident will go straight to their town council and put the complaints forward not knowing who empties that bin not knowing who's supposed to be doing the road sweeping they just assume it's all to the town council and that's where the first pot of call will be so i'm open to seeing how things can change and how things can improve. Um, I've, I've never lived under a unitary system, so I don't know. I wouldn't say lived under okay. a unitary system. I mean, I it's not the most it's... oppressive system to uh, to be around. And I guess I, I see the benefit from, from a town perspective that, you know, if there was a, a significant move in many areas that are currently in the three-tier system to a unitary there are going to be cost-saving benefits. But equally, the role of the town and the parish and the community will always remain. We don't necessarily see town, parish, community councils disappearing. In fact, they probably become more important, take on more powers, because let's face it, you're not going to see many unitary authorities that want to go through planning for someone's porch. They'd much rather kind of devolve that power down to to parish councils and town councils to deal with the, the more minor planning issues. And so actually, that's when you then start to see kind of town councils challenging for those services, which actually probably then means a, a greater power over the locality in the hands of local councillors than they would have had before. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm open to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to being convinced. So we'll see. I think we've we've kind of covered what your what your general view of town and parish councils are. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think? more town and parish councils will evolve over time as local authorities get bigger? No, I don't. I don't think they will. I think that we will lose no, that, that, more. That's I it. We, <laughs> I think we'll lose them as opposed to have more put in place. I think that it will be... That will be I think that... Or maybe it will get the, the town... As planning developments come along, um, the town councils will get bigger. You know, the parish councils will turn into town councils. Look, we've sat and watched how just a couple of miles up the road, how little villages are turning into seriously big, big towns. And wealthy towns and as well, with the amount of developer yeah, contributions that they then generate. Especially whenever there's a, a small one just around the corner <laughs> that uh, has got a massive business park on there. So, um, so yeah, it, it will be... Um, uh, yeah, I, I no, I'm thinking that we'll probably. We, I don't think we'll see any more, but I think that we will obviously see the town, the parishes turning into towns. You see, I I tend to think when you have a large city on your doorstep, um, as soon as that starts to move across to to unitary in instead of the three tier system, I think you'll start to see parishes evolve in, inside the cities, and I think yeah. you're already seeing some in London come forward. Yeah. Obviously, some successfully, some unsuccessfully. I think a greater push and a greater drive for local democracy kind of 
is going to mean that we're going to see a few more, particularly in urban areas, whereas I think you're right, you'll still have the parish meetings and you'll still have the kind of more assemblies of people in the smaller communities that won't necessarily want the administration of a parish council. But I think in the cities you'll see, I think, a greater push from residents who want that representation in large cities and want to make, you know, their cities and their areas characterful. And I think that's one of the real benefits of of town and parish councils. Um, And I think you know looking forward hopefully you know without too much of a financial burden on people they'll be uh, they'll be popping up um but the other thing is that you you need to have the councillors to make it work you know you need those people to stand up and volunteer um to to become a town council parish councillors you don't get paid a penny for that no, so no well it is all of your it's your your time that you've got to give generously to to make these things work and um and again we we will probably discuss it another time just how um how practical it is for younger people to be councillors these days um mostly it used to be go back even 10 years ago um i joined the town council at a reasonable age won't tell you how as the photograph shows (laughs) (laughs) and um and it was all old age pensioners who were on um, on that council, and and again at district it was a, a, the average age was probably 70, 70, <laughs> 70 plus because you you needed to be able to have the time to go to meetings during the day, um, you know, and and you can't if you've got a young family and you you work full time, it's really hard to to work around those. And I did work full time whenever I first joined the the town council, so it was always a case of trying to juggle working full time attending the meetings that you needed to attend it um it is it's not easy for somebody who um who's got a family and full-time work to be a counsellor absolutely and i think the 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 balance is if you're going to put your time into something as a counsellor i would assume you know i always think everyone gets really good bang for their buck from town and parish counsellors because generally for for absolutely often no expense kind of no 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 pay um and very little thanks you know week after week and day after day councillors are out doing surgeries and and representing often without much knowledge from from the local population you know representing that community events going to visit community groups going to visit businesses Mm -hmm. kind of promoting the community outside necessarily the parish boundaries um with you know no mileage no thanks and you know that kind of links back to our guest civility and respect that you know the slcc nalc there's been a lot of work underway with civility and respect and you know that the what is now a i think um a pledge to, for officers and members to kind of treat each other with respect and actually how we handle that from members of the public as well and people from other organizations but i think you know that's certainly something we're going to have to be looking at and we'll look at you know later in the series um as well but i think really with civility and respect the training elements have been identified by nalc and the slcc i think tell you an awful lot and you know i was i say somewhat surprised by some of the titles of the training you know actually when you think about it 
it, these are some of the personalities that yeah. you end up dealing with mm. in, in a large community. Mm. And just to finish on this first podcast for Standing Orders, um, we're generally going to try and keep these to around, what, 20 minutes, 30 minutes? Hopefully uh, somewhere minutes. in those. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll probably go on for hours. And equally, you know, we'll be doing this every week. And so, you know, bear with us. I think this is my first time certainly doing any kind of podcast. Um, and I think given that you listened to your first podcast three days ago, it's certainly <laughs> your first time doing a podcast as well. But if anyone does have any suggestions for any topics, you know, we want to hear about them. And so if you listen to the great little jingle at the end we will um be giving details of how you can just drop us a, an email which definitely won't be used for marketing purposes just to let us know any topics that you want to have covered so i think that's that's everything for me have you got anything else you wanted to add no i just think that you know if there if there's anything that anybody who's thinking about becoming a, a town councillor or parish councillor and uh, you're in two minds as to whether to put yourself forward because it is the elections next May. The, the, yeah, just, I don't want know, to talk the, about that. It's <laughs> <laughs> the parish. If, is there anything that we can do that will um, convince you that it's the right thing to do, then just give us a shout and we'll try and answer the questions for you. And I think that's probably the most standard explanation of have you got anything to add? No, I haven't. And then continue <laughs> to add something on the end just to be able to get the final word. <laughs> yeah, I always have to have the last word. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk.